I'm just so excited to be with you today. Thank you for being at church, Palm Sunday. Come on, such a beautiful picture. I think our story today, uh, I, love how, I love how Pastor put it. Uh, it's just Jesus came and how unexpected was it? How unexpected was the way he came? I think our story today will, uh, will kind of speak to that as well. Um, it's my honor to, to continue our series. It's called Rescuer. Rescuer. My name, by the way, is Stephen. If you didn't hear, I'm the youth pastor. Um, and hello. Hello. You guys ready to have fun? Okay, cool. We're going to have some fun in church. It's going, to be, it's going to be a good time. We're just going to jump right in if that's cool with you. So I get to talk about Zacchaeus today. And I know it's a familiar story, but I'm believing God is going to show us some new things. So if you do me a favor, would you just lean in today? I know like if you're, if you're familiar with church, you're like, yes, we've heard this story a thousand times. But I'm believing God's going to show us something new. Amen? Amen. And I brought my real Bible today. I grace you with my Bible. It's, it's very spiritual. It's paper. So, I don't know. I was like, I want to encourage anybody that's like, you know, because we kind of shame people like, oh, that's not a real Bible. And I'm like, the power's not in the paper, it's in the words. Um, so can we just stop? But I don't know. I just was like, real Bible today. It just gets people excited. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is what the Bible says. And this is uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus. I might call him Zach. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I'm feeling it. Um, JC and Zach. Okay. Jesus entered Jericho and he, and he made his way through the town. Verse two, there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector. Somebody say chief tax collector. He was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. So not just rich, but very rich, very rich. He tried I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I'm just trying to keep you interested. Okay. He, uh, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Love that it's not really a request. It's more of a demand. Like, you ever like walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I'm going to your house today. I want you to just get the food ready. I'm going to be there at three, okay? We're going to party. No, that's rude, but not for Jesus. Jesus just walks up. He's like, hey, let's go. I'm going to your house right now. I hope it's clean, okay? Um, but this is what it says in verse six. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. You get the picture like Zacchaeus and Jesus walking away from the crowd to his house and Zacchaeus is like, Come on, Jesus, let's go, right? <laughs> like, because he's short, remember? Um, I just like to kind of get a visual. Uh, and he's, he's excited. He's happy. He's joyful. He's like, this is going to be good. I got, the, I got the good chips and salsa. Um, it says this, but the people, are we going to get through this text? I don't know. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, he stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Four times as much. This is why I don't use paper. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Do you like airports? 
Who loves airports? Who hates airports? Okay, 50-50. Some of you are like, I don't know how I feel. I'm not going to answer. That's okay with me. Um, I, I love airports. I don't really know what it is, but if you're with me, you're like, I love airports. Maybe you could help me. I, I don't know. I just like, when it's time to go to the airport, you're like, I'm excited. I just, I love the atmosphere of the airport. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the excitement of like a trip that's coming. And, but, but seriously, like when we find out we got a five hour like layover, I'm like, let's go. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Like we find a good spot. I'm going to get some snacks that are way overpriced, but it's okay. Cause we're uh, at the airport and it's good. It's like, I'm going to pay $15 for a little bag of jerky. And it just, it tastes the same, but it's okay. Like I, it's good. I love it. It's, it's so great. Um, I just, I love it. It's, it's been a while since I've been at the airport. I tell my wife every day, I miss the airport. Yeah. She's like, mm-hmm. it's like, can we travel please? Can we go somewhere? I just want to be in the airport, but I love getting on the airplane. And it's funny because my first flight was when I was 19 years old and I was terrified, you know, and my friends, um, they were like, you know, they were playing all the jokes on me. Like and when we hit turbulence, they're like, we're going down. And I'm like, I have anxiety. It was, it was, but now I'm like, I love it. And I still get a little nervous. Like when we hit turbulence, <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, it's kind of scary, but, but I love it. But I think one thing that maybe we could all agree, except there might be one or two people in here that you're just, we'll, we'll call you special. Um, but I think one thing we could all agree about airports that's not so good is the lines, right? The lines, right? How many lines are at the airport? And really, like, when you start thinking about it, lines are kind of just a part of life. Get used to lines because they're inevitable. You know, the grocery store, you know, the Chick-fil-A drive through just all the important places, right? Costco, you know, it's like you know, Disney World, okay? You know, you, you, you take a good thing and you add a line and that good thing becomes a bad thing, right? Lines are, are not our, our, our favorite thing, but I start thinking about airports and how, like, Lines make up like 80% of airports, you know? You, you, yeah, you, like our flight's at 6 a.m., so we're going to wake up at 3 a.m., not to pray, but just so we can get there on time, okay? Just in case, security takes long. But like you go in and, right, you go to the, the you check your bag, there's a line. Then you go to security and there's a line, right? Right, everybody that says like they had a good airport, airport experience, they're like security line was short. Right, come on. Like, but like if the, if the security line's really long, you're like, oh, it was the worst, it was awful. It was terrible. But like after the security line, you get to your, 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 your place. What's it called? Terminal, right? Gate. You get to your gate and then there's the boarding line, right? And then after the boarding line, there's the, their airplane line. And then after the airplane lands and the pilot turns like the seatbelt light off, everybody stands up at the same time. Can we just agree to stop doing this? You're not getting off any sooner. Stay seated. Okay. But like, and there's always that guy four rows back that he's like, I am determined to get off this plane before you. Why? I don't know. You, you're not, it's just because this, it's how we live. It's how we operate. But like, like it's, we all stand up at the same time, but there's only one person that can get off at a time. And then you get off the plane and then you go to a baggage claim and you, you guessed it, your bags, they come out in a line and you got to wait. Is that mine? Did it make it? <sighs> the anxiety sets in once again. Um, and then like you can get rent a car. There's another, it's just line after line after line. But can I tell you, like lines are not that bad, but where lines really get me is, is when somebody cuts you. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me today? In, in fact, let's just expose the cutters right now. Who are you? 
right? Snot. I, I, have, I, I have issues, okay? I don't, know, I don't know what it is, just please pray for me, but like when people cut, um, I, there's something that rises inside of me, and like I, I'm, the, I'm the guy that like, can't let it go, right? And like I, if we're at the grocery store and like, like I, I like occasionally will like let somebody go in front of me if they have less groceries than me, but like because it's just common cur- courtesy, but anyways... Um, that was supposed to be funny. Um, but, uh, but like, I just, I don't like cutters. Please pray for me. I'm not perfect, but I don't like cutting. Cutter, cutting is, 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 is dishonest. You know, cutting, it's, it, it's, it's like stealing. You stole my spot in line. And, and I don't know what it is, but like, I, I have to make a scene. I have to say something. Um, so like, we, we were at a thrift store like a couple weeks ago, and there was like six people in line and and, and we were kind of in this weird space where there was like a gap because you want to like allow the people to walk through still. And um, like six people in line and we're kind of like inching our way up. You know, we've been in line for what felt like 45 minutes. And this lady will say um, she was um, mature in age. And is that acceptable? I'm sorry. I love you all. Um, but she was she was mature. And, um, she, she just kind of, she had a cart full of stuff and we were, me and my wife were right here and she just kind of comes up with her cart and she just kind of gets in front of us. And of course I was, I was like, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I start like looking around to see if I can get any buy-in. Like, did anybody see that? Did anybody? So I look at her and I'm like, listen, slugger. Um, I didn't say that. That's a joke. That's a joke. I didn't say that. Um, I, I was like, oh, it's, oh, oops, <laughs> oops, we, we were here, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, we were, <laughs> you, you good? Okay, okay, right, no, like, I start looking for the manager, hey, cut her, cut her, it's just like, you cheated, you, you gotta get what you deserve, you know, it's like, you gotta wait in line, like, like, I had to wait in line, it's not fair, it's, it's not fair, I've been in this line for 45 minutes, and you think you can just come in and cut, that's not fair, that's not fair. I'm joking, by the way, if you think I'm getting serious. It's just a joke. But like, like I'm, I'm going somewhere, I promise. But like, like we, this is the way that we kind of are. Like, maybe you're not the person that makes a scene. Maybe you're not the person that like says anything. But like, I am, and I'll just do that for you. Like, like hello, this lady just cut me. Where's the justice? Hello, police. Is this what police respond to? Uh, or like, or, or, or how about like when you're driving, right? And you're just kind of cruising your way and then somebody goes by you going 85 miles an hour. And what's your first thought? I hope there's a cop around that corner. Get him, get him. Oh, you're going to get a ticket today. I can feel it. And I look down and I'm going 72. It's just like, not as bad as you though. You're going faster. So you're bad. I'm good. Okay. It's just how it is. <laughs> it's just how it is, man. Now I tell all that story to, just to kind of get to my point today that I, I don't know what it is, but what I've learned about myself, what I've learned about people, what I've learned about, you know, people outside the church, but also people inside the church is, is we are hardwired with this belief and this desire that we want people to get what they deserve. We want people to get what they deserve. I don't know what it is, but it's like, Ooh, justice, right? We want people to get justice. If they deserve, if they, if they did something bad, they should get something bad. If they did something good, they should get something good. Or how about this? We don't want people to get what they don't deserve when it's a good thing. They didn't deserve that. 
They didn't deserve that promotion. I deserve that promotion. I've been here for X amount of years. They haven't. What's going on? This isn't fair. And we want people to get what they deserve. We want people to get justice. And listen, I'm all for justice. I know that there are certain areas and spaces in life and in culture and society where justice is absolutely necessary. There is social justice and there is economic justice and there is racial justice. I'm all for it, absolutely. But I just got to say this this morning. While that type of thinking works in our society, it will cripple your theology. It will cripple your theology because can I tell you, Jesus is anything but fair. And we're going to find that out today when we read about Zacchaeus, when we lean into who this man really was, and we see Jesus has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. What is happening? What is going on? This isn't fair. Zacchaeus doesn't deserve to eat with Jesus, but maybe that's why Jesus was eating with him. Because he came to tell you and me, friend, that it is not about you deserving it. It's about him deserving it for you on your behalf. This life, this Christian walk, can I tell you? If we try to take that type of thinking that we attach to society and attach that to Jesus, you will find yourself continually frustrated and continually annoyed because the gospel is anything but fair. What is the gospel? The gospel is not the proclamation that the good will be blessed. The gospel is the proclamation that the bad will be blessed if they put their trust and faith in Jesus. We keep preaching, well, if you do good, you get good. But if you do bad, you get bad. That's not the gospel. In fact, that is every other religion on planet Earth. That's not good news. That's mediocre news. Like, do good, get good, duh. But Jesus came to give us a new way of life. You do bad, and then you put your faith and your trust in me, you're going to get good. You're going to get blessed. And I can even feel it in this room right now. So we don't like that. We don't like that because we like to earn. We like to deserve. But Jesus came to disrupt that. God, I pray you would break down the walls of religion. God, break down our pride. Break down that thing inside of us that says, I need to earn this. I need to deserve this. And the moment that I stop feeling that way, I must be a bad Christian. No, friend, the moment you feel that way is when you lean into his grace, when you lean into his forgiveness, when you lean into his arms once again and say, I'm just a person in need of a savior. His name is Jesus. Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he's here. The gospel isn't fair. The gospel's not about you being good. It's about Jesus being good. For all have fallen short. For all have sinned. For all are bad. For all were dead in their trespasses. For all were in need of a savior. But God, who was so rich in mercy, come on, somebody, he who knew no sin, he became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. I pray that on Easter, on Palm Sunday, we would let go of our earning and our deserving. We would embrace what Jesus has done for us. I believe in today in Luke 19, Luke 19, we find one of the most beautiful pictures, one of the most beautiful stories of the gospel. I want to try to give you some context today so we can all be on the same page. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know the story. That's totally cool. I'm going to give you some context. Well, Zacchaeus, he, um, well, he was a wee little man. And 
wee little man was he. And, well, the Bible says he climbed into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. If you're laughing, you've been to Sunday school. I, it's, 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 it's right here, deep, deep theological context. Okay. He was a, he was a short guy. We, we, we get that from the scripture, and I believe the original, original language uses the word we. Um, it's another joke. Okay, we're going to move on. This is not working. Uh, it's unimportant. Move on, Stephen. Uh, the Bible lets us know, for real now, for real. The Bible lets us know he is a chief tax collector. Now, right there, right there, right away we got to stop in our tracks because he's not just some old tax, co- tax collector. He is a, he's a chief tax collector, which begs the question, how long has Zacchaeus been in this game? How long has Zacchaeus been collecting taxes? How long has Zacchaeus been doing this? How much money has he gained? How many years? I don't know. Two years, three years, five years, ten years. I don't really know. Maybe somebody smarter than me knows. But, but we, we know because you, you, know, you don't become a chief tax collector overnight, Right? You're like, I'm not sure. Uh, just say yes. Say, uh-huh. Okay. We, you, you don't become a chief tax collector overnight. That's something that takes time. It's something that takes promotion. Zacchaeus has been doing this for a while. I came to tell somebody today, you've been in your sin for a while. You felt far from God for a while. It's been a long time. Since you felt close to God, it's been a long time since you felt like I'm actually walking in what God has called me to walk in. Can I encourage you today? You're who Jesus came for. Jesus' grace has not run out on you. Jesus' love has not run out on you. Jesus' acceptance has not run out on you. I don't care how long it's been. Jesus welcomes you with open arms. So Zacchaeus, he was a a chief tax collector. I've heard, I've heard other preachers call, you know, describe him like a mobster or kind of like a gangster, um, which is cool, I think. Like, does he have guns? I don't know. Um, like Scarface. I, um, anyways, he, uh, tax collectors are super important. You know that they were hated by the Jews. Remember Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, keep him in mind because he's, he's one of the closest. He's one of the 12 that's closest to Jesus. He was a tax collector. But Zacchaeus, he was, he was a chief tax collector. And tax collectors, they, why were they hated? Well, because they worked against their own people for a, foreign gov- for a foreign power known as the Roman government. They were working for the Roman government. They were extorting their own people. They were cheating their own people out of their hard-earned money, and they were giving it to Rome. Zacchaeus, he was... He was doing this, but all the while he was lining his own pockets while also paying off Rome. He was a thief. He was a thug. He was a crook. He was a criminal. He's a bad guy. But it's really important that we see historical context of what was taking place in this time period. And we don't just see what, you know, VeggieTales tells us or what we learned in Sunday school. It's like those are good, but there's something deeper happening here when you begin to look at who Rome was. Who was Zacchaeus working for? Rome was a superpower. They had a large army and they were awful. They were barbaric. They were, it was shocking what they were doing in this time period. They would, they, they, they would often go from city to city, conquering cities and what they would do. I'm shocking, but they would kill the men. They would rape the women and then they would either sacrifice or enslave children. Some cities, they would line the streets with crosses, people hanging on crosses, so that when you came to that city, you knew Rome has been here. 
They were, they were awful. They were, they were terrible. They were barbaric. Now, just imagine for a moment, this is hypothetical, so don't get too worked up. But just imagine for a moment, a foreign power comes and conquers America. And they were doing what Rome was doing. They were killing the men. They were raping the women. They were enslaving or sacrificing children. And then imagine for a moment, your next door neighbor, he sees this and he goes, I'm going to work for these guys by taking your money and giving it to them. I don't know about you, but I don't really like Zacchaeus. I'm not a big fan of Zacchaeus at this point, okay? I, can, can I just be honest? Like, is the pastor allowed to say that? Yes. I am a human, by the way. Uh, I don't like Zacchaeus. He's a bad guy. Talking about what we deserve and what we don't deserve. Can I tell you what Zacchaeus deserves? He deserves punishment. He deserves justice. He deserves prison. Yet the scandal of the gospel is every page you turn, you see Jesus is hanging out with people like Zacchaeus. What? Jesus has gone to be the guest of a, a notorious sinner? What's going on? I mean, time and time again, we read about this Jesus, and he is hanging out with prostitutes, and he is hanging out with drunks, and he is hanging out with Zacchaeus, and he is hanging out with all these people that our society says a man of God should not hang out with. Why? Because he came to seek and to save the lost. Because he came to, 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 to give away to the people who knew they needed help. He did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the deserving. He came for the undeserving. He didn't come for the people who were all put together and look nice in their Sunday best. No, he came for the people who are broken, who are desperate, who are falling apart. That's who he came for. That's his mission. I love one of the, one of the verses. I don't even know where it is, but it's, it's in the message. And I love how Eugene Peterson writes it. He says he didn't come to coddle insiders. He came to embrace outsiders. The marginalized and the maligned and the ones across the tracks, the ones we keep at arm's distance. That's who he came for. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus is passing through this town called Jericho and he is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified, to become the sacrifice for my sin and your sin and for all generations, the once and for all sacrifices, Hebrews will put it. As he's passing through Jericho, there's this crowd and they're, they're surrounding him. They're pushing at him. They're pressing at him. It's like Justin Bieber and a bunch of 13-year-old girls. It's like they are Justin Bieber. Um, <laughs> go Biebs. I'm a believer. Okay. He, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus came to see who Jesus was. But hear me today. Hear me today. He was too short to see over the crowd. He was too short to see over the crowd. That phrasing, it, it sticks out to me because I think this is a really beautiful picture of what the world looks like. The world is desperate, is hungry to get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. Not who we may often think Jesus is. Not who angry people on the internet make Jesus to be. Not who religion makes Jesus be, but the real Jesus. The real Jesus. The one who, when he encountered a woman at the well, she ran back and told an entire town about him. The one who reached down into the dirt 
and sent all the accusers of a woman caught in adultery away. The one who opened blind eyes, the one who healed the leper, the one who did the miracle, the one who multiplied, the one who turned water into this Jesus that is so provocative. He is so profound. He is so amazing. That Jesus, the world is hungry to get a glimpse for, but it is often church people who get in the way and block the view of people being able to see him. They call me crazy, but I just think people should be able to see Jesus through our lives. I just think people should not have to walk down and climb in a tree to get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. I believe that people should not have to go down the street. They should not have to get online somewhere. They should be able to see Jesus through our lives. Through our lives. Now, I know that's a physical impossibility, but it's a beautiful picture. Zacchaeus, he was there hoping to get a glimpse, an encounter with Jesus, but all these people that were already familiar with him, they were too busy trying to get more of Jesus themselves. You know, it was Gandhi who said, I would be a Christian, but I've met too many Christians. See, what I found is people don't often have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with you and me. They have a problem with us. Jesus, he's amazing. He's profound. He's, he's miraculous. He's provocative. He is everything, but I've just met too many Christians that make it all about themselves and not about him. Bible says Zacchaeus, he, he wants to get a glimpse, but he can't see Jesus over the crowd. So you have to say it like this. I think there's a lot of people that will never run into a church building, but they might run into you. And the goal is that the honest goal is that they'd be able to see Jesus through our lives. And that doesn't mean that you have to be this crazy spiritual person that has a prophetic word on the spot or, or you know, I'm not saying that's awesome and that's great. Do that. But like just the way we love and I'm so guilty of it, man. When we go to the, you go to the store and, and like you're grumpy, man, it's been a bad day and you're just kind of like grumpy to people. But like, I've just found the more time I spend with Jesus, the more loving I am. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more of his light shines through my life. The less time I spend with Jesus, the more the blinds close on my windows and it's dark and no light shining through. But I pray we'd be a church that we would allow God's light to shine through our scars. We'd allow God's light to shine through our pain. We'd allow God's light to shine through our struggles. We'd allow God's light to shine through our life. Amen. Amen. Zach, he says, I can't see over the crowd. And so really quickly, Zacchaeus, he does three things, three things. Really quickly, I'm going to work through these. But he does three things a, a man of his stature would never do. The first thing he does is he takes off running from the crowds. Zacchaeus, he, he runs. And you're like, why is that important? Because in this culture, dudes didn't run. Like important dudes, they didn't run. If you were to run towards something, that would insinuate that that thing was more important than you. The second thing, though, is Zacchaeus, in order to run, many scholars believe that, you know, they wore like robes and, 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 or tunic or whatever it would be, but they would have to, you know, kind of pull it up so they could actually move their legs. And it, the second thing is he, he shows his legs. And you're like, big deal. Did he not shave or something? No. It's just in this culture, one of the most shameful things you could do was to show your legs. 
It was never swimming season, never. <laughs> the YMCA went out of business. <laughs> like, it's just, I just say whatever comes to my head. You're like, it's just. Um, he, he exposed his, his shins. He exposed his legs, which is to say he, 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 he exposed his shame. The most, one of the most shameful things you could show, he, he, he showed. And he ran towards something that was more important than him. Which reminds me of a story that happens four chapters before this. We are in Luke 19, but in Luke 15, you might know the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, we, you might be familiar with it, but he, he asks for inheritance early. And he goes and he leaves his father's house and he, and he spends it all. And, and then he finds himself in, in like a pig pen. He's like eating pig food. And he comes to his senses and he says, my, my father's servants eat better than this. What am I doing? So he goes back and says, I'll, I'll just be a servant. And, and he comes back, and, and I think one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible. The Bible says, while he was still a long ways off, the father saw him and he, and he ran to him. And in that moment, Jesus is telling this story, and he's, he, he's telling his audience because he wants them to understand something that I hope you get today. Let me paint a picture for you that the father, he would have had to pull his robe up to run as if to say, I'm going to run towards the son because the son is more important than my reputation. The son is more important than my status. The son is more important than my stature. If I could say it for you and me today, that God's love, it far outweighs your sin. God's love, it far outweighs your shame. God's love far outweighs your guilt. This is the God that we serve. He's the God who runs to you. He runs to you. He doesn't say, hey, make your way here. And then, you know, Get back on tithing and get back on serving and, and then we'll talk. No, no, he sees you and he says, he's come home and he runs to you. This is the God that we serve. This is the God we sing about. This is the God we talk about. This is the God we talk to. This is the God that we follow. This is the God he runs to you, friend. He runs to me. Zacchaeus, he, he takes off running in front of the crowd. He shows his legs. The third thing he does is he climbs a tree. And again, you're like, who cares? But in this culture, grown men don't climb trees. I think in our culture, grown men don't really climb trees. Unless you like build a tree house. It's the only acceptable time. Or playing with your child, okay? But if you're a grown man on your own, you're in the park and you're in a tree, I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. Like, get down. But Zacchaeus, he... Did I just... Okay. Somebody's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Got to find a new church. <laughs> no, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Even if you climb trees in your 40s. Zacchaeus, he... He climbs a tree and... I mean, grown men didn't, grown men didn't climb trees, but, but grown men definitely didn't climb trees to check out other dudes. Like, this is just getting weirder and weirder. I mean, like, can, can we get this? I want you to get this picture today. Here is this, this short dude. You know, he doesn't have long arms. Getting up that tree must have been tough. But, like, he's this, this mobster dude, and he's like, society tells us he's got his life together. He's got the money. He's got the property. 
He's got all the toys. Man, he's got all the things. He's got the status. He's got the name. People know who Zacchaeus is. They may not have loved Zacchaeus, but they feared Zacchaeus. And here's this dude sweating in a tree, checking out another dude. It's weird. Like, there's just some things in life that, like, you do and you immediately lose your cool card. You know what I'm saying? No? Okay, let me explain. (laughs) Like, there's just some things in life that you can't do and keep your cool. Like, you, you step in and you lose your cool. It's like, I'm no longer cool. One of them is when you fall in love. Okay? You can't, you, oh, is this something happening here? Oh, you can't fall in love and be cool. How do I know this? Because men, guys, we, we have like two different modes. We've got two different voices. When hanging out with the dudes and then when you're talking to the girl you're in love with. You're a totally different person. Right? Hanging out with the guys, you just start making noises. I don't know what the guys are like, ah! Oh! <laughs> oh my goodness! Ah! Right? Now, every lady in this room is confused, but every man knows exactly what I just said. Right? We have our own language. Ah! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, did you see that? Wait. What'd you say? What did you? You think he beat me at basketball? Let's go. Wait. What'd you say? You think he could do more push-ups? Let's go. Get on the ground right now. I am gonna triangle choke you so hard. What? What am I saying? <laughs> How do I know this? Well, I said all those things in the last three weeks, so. I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> I think I told Nicholas I was going to triangle choke him, and then later I was like, what am I doing? Like, calm down, man. Where I, like, you're hanging out with the dudes, but when you're in love, man, you're like, ah, what's up? Right, you just start making noises. But then the phone rings. The phone rings. Ring, ring, ring. Ah, hey. And then you pick up the phone. Oh, hey, babe. Oh. Hey, boo. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? How are you? Oh, it's good. It's so good. Yeah, I'm just hanging out with the guys. Ah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be home. Yep, yep. Quarter, quarter to eight, 7.45 sharp on the day. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Okay. I love you, too. Yeah. Okay, no, you hang up first. <laughs> no, you. Okay. Uh, hello? <laughs> okay. Right. It's just like, Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's just something about it, life, and you do things where you just lose your cool card. You lose your cool, and I, I think this is such a beautiful picture of what it looks like to discover Jesus. You see Zacchaeus, and he, <laughs> he's this man of stature, he's this man of reputation, but all of a sudden, he's like, I gotta see Jesus. I gotta get a glimpse of Jesus. And he hikes up his robe and he runs towards and he climbs a tree and he's sweating in a tree. And I just think it's such a beautiful picture of what it's like to discover Jesus for the first time. Come on, somebody that you don't come to Jesus with your cool self. 
You don't come to Jesus with your put-together self. No, you come to Jesus desperate. You come to Jesus broken. You come to Jesus saying, I'll do whatever it takes just to get a glimpse of him because he's just that good. Come on, would anybody say that's my story? That's my story, that I came to Jesus and I had nothing, but man, I came to him and I found out he was everything. He's everything. He's everything. I bet Zacchaeus is in this tree. And he's probably thinking to himself, what am I doing? I'm in a tree. This is ridiculous. And it makes me think about when people come to church for the first time. You're like, what am I doing? This guy's making weird noises on stage and his tongue is out. And like, what am I? It's 10:13 on a Sunday. Have you seen the sun today? What am I doing? For those of us, they ask, you know, I just see Zacchaeus asking, is this even worth it? And for those of us who know Jesus, those of us who've encountered Jesus, we want to yell back into the story, Zacchaeus, it's worth it. In fact, it's more than worth it. It's more than worth it. Because can I tell you, Zacchaeus may have climbed a tree, oh, but Jesus, he would later be crucified on a tree. Zacchaeus, he sat, but Jesus hung. Zacchaeus sweat, but Jesus bled. Zacchaeus, he got tired, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for Zacchaeus, the one who was the most undeserving, so that he could have a relationship with God. Come on, if you believe that it's more than worth it, would you give God a shout of praise in this place? It's more than worth it. It's more than worth it. Jesus is just that good. And I'll say it like this. Anything you're willing to do for Jesus, he has already done that much more for you. I think what we're going to do is we're going to play a a short video. Um, It's a beautiful testimony. I want you to see it and we're going to conclude and sing to Jesus. But let's watch that video. What's going on, guys? Jason McQuinn. Honored to get to share a little bit of a testimony of my prior life. Uh, some of you guys know I used to live on the west side, and my wife and I, we owned some clinics, and I used to race NASCAR. We really had our life together. We were making lots of money, and just never had, like, I was never satisfied. I always had, like, this empty spot, and I kept chasing it with new championships and new, just all kinds of crazy stuff of the world. and. The void was always there. It was, I could never fulfill it. And then one day I was volunteering at a youth camp and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And like that word filled really did something to me. Like I finally felt like satisfied. After that, I stopped like chasing those things. And it wasn't because like I wanted to give up racing or it wasn't because I wanted to give up being successful in business. It just the desires of my heart changed after that. I didn't like strive after it. I didn't pursue it anymore. And I'm reminded of uh, Zacchaeus who is a tax collector. At that time, I was a car salesman. And like modern day, that's probably pretty, pretty close to the same thing. After I left my job as a, as a car salesman, um, my wife and I moved over to Camp Bearpaw and I stopped racing. We stopped like chasing the things of the world. We, just, we really got plugged into ministry. And for the first time in my life, like we really just felt fulfilled and satisfied. And I realized I had like these golden shackles on my wrist. Like 
I thought I needed to make so much money. We thought we needed to do this to prove ourselves. And like, after we got filled with the Holy Spirit, we got freedom for the first time of our life. Like, we were captives. We were in a really nice jail cell. We were in a really nice place. After being filled with the Holy Spirit, the shackles fell off. And I just felt like God rescued us from, it wasn't some crazy sin. It was just like performance. And it was, um, it was we were hungry for the things of the world. But we were captives. And those shackles finally came off. And, and if you were to ask me today what the most satisfying part of my life was, I'd, I'd have to say my wedding day and my kids. But in ministry and actually in life, it wasn't the NASCAR championships. It wasn't the days we made lots of money. It was actually there was one day I, I'd, I'd refer back to, and it was the day we were coming back from a mission trip in Kansas, where I had all these little high school kids around, and they were sitting sitting next to me in the RV, and they were asking me questions after they just led a whole bunch of college football players to the Lord, and they were like looking to me and they're asking questions, and I was able to pour into them. It's, it's crazy to reflect on that, that at one point we were racing in front of thousands of people, but that was like one of the most satisfying days where I like felt fulfilled. And like that void that, that was in me was just, was filled up and I, I couldn't possibly have anything else in me after that. Now that we're living in Newport, we have our awesome church family, House of the Lord. Uh, I work it up at Camp Bearpaw and my wife's working at the Camera Center. We feel so free over here. We're no longer bound by those, by those shackles and we just trust God. We've given, We've given it all to him. We've given our wealth. We've given everything, kind of like, like Zacchaeus did. We've given it all, and we're so free. And tell you what, when, when you're reliant on God, it's a great place to be. Come on. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? That's what he does. This is a beautiful testimony. Um, man, God's good. I see... There's a crowd of people, right? They're surrounding Jesus, and this is how the story kind of goes on, and they're probably followers of Jesus, fans of Jesus, but Jesus is passing through, but as he's passing through, he, he stops in his tracks, and he, he looks up into the sycamore tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And I want you to see this because this is, this is so beautiful to me, and I'm, I'm almost done, I'm almost done, but I want you to see this, that Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you come from, can I tell you, God knows your name. I, I, I see Zacchaeus in the tree like, I, I knew who you were. But how do you know who I was? And I need you to know today, God, he knows your name. And in knowing your name, he knows everything about you. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows it all. He knows what you did in 2020. Don't talk about it. He knows what you did last summer. He knows what you did last night. In fact, he knows what you're going to do tomorrow night. And in that, with all the knowledge, can I tell you, he still chooses you. He still looks at you with desire. He still wants you. He knows everything you've done. He knows everything you'll ever do. But he looks at you and he says, I came for you. I choose you. I pick you. You undeserving person. You undeserving. I know that it seems bad. I know that it seems like, like you've lost so much, but Jesus, our God, is a restorer. He's a restorer. Because look what happens. 
Zacchaeus, he, he spends a few moments with Jesus and the generosity that comes from his life. Total change from the inside out. One encounter with Jesus. But Zacchaeus, he, he, he did nothing. He climbed into a tree and Jesus stopped and he said, I choose you. I pick you. And this is the truth about God I want you to get today is that God's love far outweighs your faith in him. God's love for you will always outweigh your faith in him. Now think about another story of the woman with the issue of blood. And we get this beautiful picture. She, right, she crawls her way. She fights her way to Jesus. And I commend you if that's your story. I commend you if that's, that's what you've got. But can I, I came to declare to some people today that even if you don't got the faith, even if you don't have the strength, even if you don't have the comfort, God is on his way to you. God is on his way to you. God is on his way to you. You feel stuck. You feel like you're in a tree. You're just like, I'm just here to get a glimpse of God. And I don't even think I can fight my way through the crowd. Well, Jesus came to tell you today that he is on his way to you. He's on his way to you. I think it's a beautiful picture of salvation. Jesus stops, looks up, and he calls you by name. Because can I tell you something? If God wants you, he's going to get you. That's a bold statement. Yeah, I know. If God wants you, he's going to get you. And he'll find you in a tree. He'll find you in the back row of a church service. He'll find you in a broken situation. He'll find you in an addiction. He'll find you in your anger. He'll find you in your loneliness. He will find you in your depression. He will find you in your church hurt. He will find you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you and he loves you too much to leave you there in that situation. He loves you too much to leave you in a tree just catching a glimpse of who he is. He wants to draw you close. He wants you to step into real relationship with him. Amen? So Zacchaeus, he gets down out of the tree and all the people, they begin to mutter. I don't have time to get into it, but all the, the religious people, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner? Wait a minute. I, I was here first. I, I expected you to come. I came with expectation. I was, here, I, was, I was in the crowd. I was seeing you. I was up close and personal. But you're going to be the guest of a of Zacchaeus, of all people? Do you know who he is? Do you know who he works for? They begin to talk, they begin to mutter, but it doesn't matter because Jesus said, yes, I know exactly who Zacchaeus is. And the reason I'm going to have lunch with the most undeserving guy here is so I can send a message to every person that ever hears this story, that I didn't come for the deserving, I came for the undeserving. Zacchaeus, he's, he, he meets with Jesus and he says, I'm going to give 50% back. And he says, if I cheated anybody, I'm going to give four times. I'm going to pay him back four times the amount. It's a reasonable response to a few moments with Jesus. I love that we don't get his sermon. We don't get the word. Because I don't think it's about words and principles. I think it's about a person. It's, a bit, it's about an encounter with a person, not an encounter with words. Not an encounter with principles, but an encounter with Jesus that changes your life from the inside out. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've heard all about the law. I've heard all about the rules. I've heard all about the traditions and regulations. I've heard all. And guess what? The law has only driven me to my knees in shame. 
It's only the message of grace. It's only the gospel that apart from Jesus, I am a sinner, but Jesus chooses sinners like me. Jesus chooses sinners like you. And it's true, the law, it has the first word, but grace has the last word. The cross has the final word. It's true, man. The law can break a hard heart, but only grace can heal one. The law condemns the best of us, but grace saves the worst of us. See, the law accuses, but grace acquits. The law exposes, but grace exonerates. The law says cursed, grace says blessed. The law says slave, but grace says son. The law says guilty is charged, but friend, grace has been shouting at you for 2,000 years. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted. You are a son. You are a daughter. Come on, can we give God praise? Can we stand up to our feet? Can we, come on, can we get up on our feet today? We thank you, Jesus. And we came for you. We came for you. But God, I thank you, you came for us. God, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for all the ones with the faith to crawl their way to you. But I pray for all the ones that feel stuck, that feel like they can't move, that feel like they are in one place, and they just need to know today their Savior is on the way to them. Their Savior has come to meet with you. Their Savior is not going to leave you in a tree. He's come to get you out of your circumstance today. Jesus. Last, you guys good? Can I talk for three more minutes? And normally we sing. We're going to sing. But last um, August, my wife and I went to the, the second happiest place in the world. Because House of the Lord is the first happiest place in the world. But we went to Disney World. You're like, by yourself? Yeah. It was fun. I was ashamed. But when we got there, it was like, it was so much fun. And I remember I was thinking about, it was, it's funny because throughout the, the time we were there, God spoke to me so much. I had like all these Disney analogies and, and I know people are like mad at Disney right now and I'm so sorry, um, but this has nothing to do with that. But I remember like, again, we were, you go to Disney World, it's like the happiest place on earth. But what, what makes Disney World like not very fun is all the lines. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to ride Space Mountain. It's going to be legit. And you get up and it's like, okay, an hour and five minutes. All right, okay. Can do this. But there was this thing that caught my eye. It was next to the, if you've been to Disney World recently, but next to the, the wait time, they had this thing called Fast Pass. And we were waiting in line and we were, there was some lines that were short. There were some lines that were long, but in the long lines, I always get like frustrated and upset when somebody just like walked past me in the other line. And I was like, who does that guy think he is? Well, he just got online and paid for a, a fast pass. It's like, what's a fast pass? It's a thousand dollars. I don't know. <laughs> and, and maybe it's corny, maybe it's cheesy, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "I'm your fast pass." See, I came and I waited in line for you. I deserved it for you. I earned it for you. And through me. I'm your ticket. Go ahead, get on the ride. I'm your fast pass. He was crazy, Zacchaeus. This crook, this criminal, this undeserving chief tax collector. You know what his name means? His name means righteous. 
he's not righteous because of what he did. Oh, friend, he's righteous because of what Jesus did. I just came to speak that over you today. You're not righteous because of what you did. Rather, you're righteous because of what Jesus did. Come on, can we close our eyes all over this place? God, we thank you. I thank you for every person in this room. You set us free. I know there's a lot of people in this room that they know you. I felt like there was some people that needed that word today. You feel stuck. You felt far. You felt like maybe you were just in a tree getting a glimpse of Jesus while all these other people, they were, they were in the crowd. And you've been looking because you, and maybe you even know Jesus today. Maybe you're like, I'm a Christian, but I feel like, man, I can relate so much. I feel like I've just been in the tree, just kind of looking at Jesus from afar. And I feel like it was a word for somebody today. You needed to know that Jesus does not, he, he does not want you to settle to get just a glimpse of him, but rather he wants to make his way to you today. He wants to look into your situation. He wants to look into your eyes. He wants to look into your heart and he wants to call you by name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now, all over this room, you're calling us by name. And when you call us by name, God, you say, I see everything you've done. I see all the guilt. I see all the shame. Give me your shame. Give me your guilt. Give it to me. For just a couple weeks later, Jesus, he would, he would walk to Calvary. He would walk to a cross. He would carry his cross onto a hill where he would die for you and me. And I know you know the message, but somebody needs to hear that today. That Jesus went to a cross and he took everything you deserved so that you could have everything he deserved. And I don't know if you're here today and you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give every area of my life to him. I want to give every area of my heart to him. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I'm Zacchaeus, man. And I feel far, but I just want to acknowledge God has come to me today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand so I could see it, so I could pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you so much. We thank you for salvation, Jesus. God, we thank you that we didn't earn it. You earned it, Jesus. You're our fast pass, God. We lean into your grace today. We lean into your your love today for us. Thank you, Jesus.